Well, man, we are, uh, we're in the middle of a series here called Gospel Deep, His Glory Lived Out. Gospel Deep, His Glory Lived Out. And uh, we've talked about this several times, right? Romans 1 through 11, it's all about what it means to know Him in depth, like vertically, passionately, this power relationship with Christ, with all that He's done for me, right? That's Romans 1 through 11. And we have this huge understanding of his sacrifice for us, not warranted, not needed or required on his part at all. We needed it. And he leaned in with his love and did what we could never do. And Romans 1 through 11, praise be to God, we have a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And uh, that's Romans 1 through 11, Romans 12 through 16. So, so then how should I live that out? Like, what, what does that mean? I'm living with him vertically. What happens when it fills me up to the top and starts spilling over to the streets? And how do I live that out with my neighbor? And uh, what does it look like to take care of my family members and friends? And, and Lord, what should I know about reaching out to those around me to reflect you and your glory in my life? Today, we're looking specifically at in the gray areas. Like in those areas where scripture may not be exactly specifically clear and we have some inkling of how we could live in there and yet there seems to be a little difference of opinion between people and how do we live in those moments in the church and uh, what's it look like to live in the gray areas? Okay, this is not in the black and white. Everybody hear me? This is not in the black and white. This is in the gray areas. So when scripture says thou shalt not, it's pretty clear, Right? And when it says, hey, do this, pretty clear. But when it's not being addressed specifically and we're trying to figure out how it applies into our life and our context in the gray areas, well, then what do we do? All right. So that's where we're looking, living in the gray areas. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans 14, starting in verse 1. Romans 14, verse 1. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. All right. Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. Uh, Romans 14 verse 1 is where we're going to be starting and so how in the world do we live in the gray? All right first step Do not make your rule their rule Just so that there is one rule you Hearing it do not make your rule their rule just so that there's one rule Okay, we love it when everything's neat and tidy and clean don't we? And we're like, I'm just telling you, it'd be a lot easier if there was one rule. Everybody live like me, right? And, and so all of a sudden we become the authority on what it should look like. And let's be careful when we're living in the gray areas. Everybody say in the gray area. And we're going to have to say that a lot today. Don't misunderstand me. This is not about blowing off the legitimate specific direction of the Bible in the black and white. Okay, this is in the gray where some things may not be covered exactly. That's what we're talking about. All right, so do not make uh, your rule their rule just so that there is one rule. Here we go. He says, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Okay, as for the one who is weak in the faith, well, welcome him. All right, and uh, so what does it mean to be weak in the faith? And uh, so do me a favor. If you have a pen, just draw a little line on your paper there underneath the, the first point. Just draw a line. Put four hash marks on it, all right? Kind of moving across, all right? So on the far left side of the line, we've got this word, selfish, all right? Just mark that one. That's the first hash. The next one, strong. 
the strong believer. All right. The next one over weak believer. And then the last one on your far right is legalistic, the legalist. All right. So we've got selfish and then strong and then weak and then the legalist. Let's talk about those for a moment. All right. Selfish like man, I have freedom in Christ. I'm going to do whatever I want. In fact, I don't even really care about Christ anymore. I just care about me. I'm going to do what I can do. And I'm going to love life as I do it. And, and everything just seems to be all about that guy. Selfish. All right. Strong. Like I am sure of who Jesus Christ is. And we have freedom in Christ. And I'm going to live that freedom and love that freedom as I honor my God. And as I thank him for who he is, it will be about my God. But with freedom. So that sure, honoring God in the freedoms. All right? The selfish is like, forget the honoring God part, just the freedom. Okay? The weak. I don't know about that freedom stuff, man. Not sure I'm real comfortable there. And so I like, like, I like reflecting on the fact that God has sacrificed so much for me. Think of what I could sacrifice for him. And there's some things I could do for him and give up for him. Sacrifice. And I feel more comfortable there. I'm a bit unsure in the freedoms. I'm going to express it in my limitation because I recognize how much he humbled himself for me. Still honoring him. Still honoring God. Still thanking God. But it's limiting in the midst. All right. Legalist. Dude, if you don't limit, you aren't saved. You hearing it? Like, let me add a little bit to this. And let me just tell you, Paul's got some choice words to say about the legalistic guy. That's Galatians 6. And they aren't good. Okay. That's not what Romans 14 is talking to. We're not talking about the legalist here. Everybody say not. Not the legalistic guy. Not the guy who's like, I've got a list of rules for you. And if you don't do these rules, I'm pretty sure you're not saved. And can you show me that in scripture? Well, no, I can't. But I'm telling you, they're inspired. Follow me. Right? The legalistic guy. Be very careful. That's a different guy. We're not talking about him. We're also not talking about the selfish guy. Freedom for me, baby. We're not talking about that guy either. Okay? Strong and weak. The two middle guys. They're honoring God. They're thanking God. They're living out their life before him, trying to honor him. Sometimes in the freedom, sometimes in the limitation, but honoring him. All right? You get it? It's a really big, important distinction. All of a sudden, we'll see Romans 14 very differently when we see that definition. All right, here we go. It says, as for the one who is weak, we'll welcome him. You know how you welcome someone? Hey, hey, come on in. Right? It's pretty easy. Let's include him. Let's put our arm around him. Let's have him be a part of life here. And hey, newsflash, the church is made up of the strong and the weak. Okay? The church is made up of those who get their freedom in Christ and those who are a little bit unsure and trying to work it through. And, and I'm telling you, our impact groups are made up of the strong and the weak. And that's purposeful and that's biblical. We do life side by side as we welcome one another into this body. All right. It says, as for the one who is weak, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. All right. Can you see, Paul? He's like, I'm watching you guys. You're like, sure, come on in. Let me tell you how I think you're wrong. Right? Let me explain to you how I think you need to adjust some things. Come on in and sit down. You're like, I don't know if I want to sit with you then. 
right? That's not the most fun guy to sit with is the guy who's really just trying to point out everywhere he disagrees with you. And uh, we talked about the word quarrel, right? Last week, that's the word that simply means uh, it's going to be a word fight and my word will be the last word, the end. Okay, quarreling. And over opinions, do you see that word in there? This is not over black and white of scripture. It's over opinion. Scripture doesn't seem to have extended into this area. So I'm going to extend my own opinion. Let's not quarrel over that stuff. All right. Be very careful that we don't begin to battle over our thoughts and our extensions and our extrapolations of what we think maybe. All right. So he says, uh, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. A uh, bummer. Uh, you can tell where I'm at, right? So one person eats meat. And uh, so what are we talking about here? We're talking about the guy who's come for, through the Jewish training in this regard. That's who Paul's writing to. He's coming out of um, this Old Testament Jewish understanding, Leviticus 11, and there's unclean meat and clean meat. There's things you need to stay away from and watch out for. And, and he's starting to live those rules out. And all of a sudden he meets Jesus Christ as Savior. He's like, and I think I'm going to keep doing the old stuff too. And I'm just going to keep watching out for it. And he's not seeing Christ as fulfilling the law. He's seeing it as a little less than that. And he's trying to work it out. And so he's holding on to the old rules and Christ. Okay. So that's the guy eating only vegetables. And then the other guy's like, Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law. It's awesome. The freedom we have in him. I'm going to honor and thank him every moment I can celebrate. And I'm going to enjoy this meat. Okay, and so there's one person eating and another person not eating and they're having a difference of opinion. In fact, in that time frame, you had the Christians who had come through the Jewish background. So they were trying to figure out what to do with the law that they were following. And then you got the Roman citizens who were like, party, right? And all of a sudden they meet Christ and they're like, a little less party, Right? Make it more about him. And there's freedom in Christ. And I love what he's done. And, and they're living a very different life. And the Roman Christian and the Jewish Christian were going at each other. Come sit with me, brother. And let me tell you why you need to change. Right? That's what was going on. And uh, so they're trying to work it out. And uh, Paul's got some choice words for him on how. He says, let not the one... Who eats, despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. Pretty clear? So here's one thing I missed until I really started studying this. The one who's passing judgment is the one who is abstaining. You hearing that? In fact, it's not the stronger that's passing judgment, it's the weaker. He's like, I have narrowed my limitations in life. I've made it like this in how I live God and I'm honoring him and I'm thanking him and, and I'm living narrowly and, and you're not. What's the matter with you? You must not be strong because you're trying to live for yourself over there and enjoying too much. You need to live it in limitation. Christ humbled himself. You need to. Right? The weak begins to pass judgment. We might actually miss that. We might actually start thinking it's the strong that's judging and and be very careful. Look carefully at these wordings now. The weak is the one who's saying, well, you need to not. And I can't believe you just did that and passes judgment. It's the strong 
who actually is doing the despising. Right? The strong's on the other side. He's like, I love this and God is awesome and look at the freedom we have and what do you mean I have to give it up? I don't like that guy very much. Right? And then you keep going and the guy like pokes you on the shoulder again and dude, I heard you the first time. I'm not doing that. I don't agree with that and I don't like that guy at all. Waiter, can I please move tables? Right? I despise that guy and The anger coming out is in the judgment that comes across. Did you know those two play together all the time, right? When judgment comes, usually there's a response of anger. And he's like, please, let's just separate this here. You may be limiting yourself. Paul calls it very emphatically. That is a weaker moment. See the freedom we have in Christ and what he's fulfilling. But be careful. If it's rattling you, he's got some more suggestion for you. We'll talk about it in a little bit. And for the strong, he's like, celebrate it. That's great. Don't get angry with the dude who's passing judgment. Hang on. Okay? All right. He says, uh, have you noticed how I've said okay a bunch so far? Looking for some checking of heads and some nodding here. Are you in? This happens in our body. Did you know that? You're like, how does this apply to me? I don't know of anybody who's trying to just eat vegetables. We'll we'll talk about it. (laughs) All right. And uh, he says... For God has welcomed him. For God has welcomed him. In other words, please treat them the way God's treating them. Please see them as a creation that God is working with and God is bringing them in and taking care of them. Remember again the timeline that we drew out there and we're looking at the stronger and the weaker here. Okay, God has welcomed them. We're not talking about the selfish one who's making it all about him and ignoring God. And we're not talking about the legalistic one who, quite frankly, is back to selfish, but trying to make it all about themselves here as they earn salvation. We're not talking about either extreme. We're talking about the strong and the weak. And God has welcomed them and is working with them. He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Like that guy has a boss and it's not you. That's what he's saying. That guy has someone in charge who is in charge of the universe and it isn't you. Newsflash. So as you're trying to help, as you're trying to assist, just know you're probably also trying to do a little more than that. You're trying to confirm in your own soul where you're at. By the way, that's part of where passing judgment comes from. Is I'm uncomfortable with it and I'm doing it myself and why aren't you? And so zing in and try to get a moving. And and, uh, he's like, be careful. This is all about uh, us having a master named Jesus Christ who will uphold us. Do you believe that? There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We have to be very careful. Somehow in the body we think there is no condemnation from Jesus. But there will be condemnation from me, mister. Right? And then we try to bring the heat on them. We try to move them. And let's be careful with that. All right? So, thought here. A number of years back, I was... uh, Attending a church, I was an engineer at the time, and uh, working with the children's ministry. I loved working with children's ministry uh, in my younger days. I was in my 20s then, and and, uh, did a lot with the kids club, we called it. 
and that we had 60 to 80 kids on a Sunday, on a Wednesday night there, and we were taking care of them, and I did some teaching and kind of organized the leadership, and, and uh, we just had a blast with these kids, laughing with them, rolling on the ground with them, getting them to know who Christ was. We saw some kids accept Christ as Savior, and a lot of growth going on. It was an exciting time, and uh, we had a blast. It was a very traditional church, and um, so one of the nights I had uh, one of the ladies in the church came to one of my leaders. Uh, who turned out also to be a, one of the pastor's daughters, and said, I can't believe you're not wearing a dress. You need to get out of jeans and get in a dress now. That's horrible. Look what you're doing for the name of your family. And uh, this pastor's daughter, she felt terrible. She was actually, I, as I came around the corner, she was kind of in the corner, kind of wiping away tears, trying to figure out, oh no, what have I done? And I just got Tim in trouble. I got my dad in trouble. And and she came over to me and I said, okay, what's going on? Are you all right? And she said, yeah, I was just told that I need to wear a dress. And I'm like, why? She said, well, I guess that's kind of the rule. You wear a dress on Wednesdays. I'm like, who says that? She's like, I don't know. She, she says that. And I'm like, I don't say that. Do you say that? No. Does the Bible say that anywhere? No. Who said that to you? Are you hearing it in me? That's it. I'm talking to her. I'm going to take a few minutes. I'll be right back. Get Kids Club started. I'm going to be back in a minute. Now I'm walking down the hallway. Where is she? (laughs) Bring it on. Right? Do you hear it? See, that's what happens. The passing judgment starts one direction. And then the kind of the derision and the despising back the other way. Uh, Thank the Lord I never found her that night. That's a good moment. God's like, I'm protecting that one. Move away. Right? And, uh... I'm just telling you, we have to be very careful how we handle things. Was she wrong for coming to her and saying, you need to get in a dress? Yes, she was wrong. First of all, it doesn't say thou shalt wear a dress. That is just gray area, big time, man. And I'm great if she wants to wear a dress on Wednesdays and feels like she's honoring the Lord in it. Do that. Do that. I'm great with that. And uh, But I've asked this one to wear jeans and roll on the ground with my kids, and I'm thinking that'd be more inappropriate in a dress. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Right. And so we got some practical and we got some real and we're going to change some kids lives here. And let's be careful how we handle the gray areas. Man, you have some things in your mind where you're like, this is what it looks like to honor God. You've got that. You may not even know you have that, but you have that. And you'll know you have it when the guy next to you starts contradicting that. And here's my request. If there's not an outright black and white on it, Hold it to yourself and honor God like crazy the way you feel fit. All right? Don't be biting in on or getting angry back at. Let's hold that gray area to yourself and live it out to your Lord with all you've got. And all of God's people said, all right. Amen to that. One applause. <laughs> Love it. So here's my simple question. Are you, are you the weaker? I live life in, out to the Lord in my limitation. Are you the weaker brother? Are you the stronger? I live out my honoring of God through my freedom in Christ. Either one of those, great, live it out. Okay? Are you the selfish? Dude, get off of it. Are you the legalist? Get off of it and be done. Move it in either to the weaker or the stronger, and honor your God and keep it to yourself. That's where we need to be. Okay? Number two, be fully convinced of what is appropriate for you and live that out for the Lord. 
be fully convinced of what is appropriate for you and live that out for the Lord. Uh, it says one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days the same. Okay. So what we have here is another one of those Old Testament boundaries. This is about the days and the festivals and the moons and even the Sabbath. There was a boundary on days and how they were handled in Old Testament law. And, And now in come the Roman Christians and they're like, whatever, right? And they're like, all days are for him, man. Seven days a week for Jesus. And these guys are like... Mm, except Sabbath is a little more than right and and come on now I need you to bump it up here and and Paul's like hey some of you do the all plan and some of you do the some plan and whatever just be careful how you do that he has an answer for it each one of you should be fully convinced in his own mind each one of you should be fully convinced in his own mind you're like I'm sorry I was raised to be able to do this and it's hard for me to give it up it just feels like church when I do that Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. You're in here and you're like, yeah, and you guys aren't doing what I would say would feel like church to me. And I'm just telling you, I'm great with you having a sense of what makes an honoring to your Lord and live that out. Okay, we're good with that. As soon as we start demanding it of the guy next to us, that's when we're starting to get into trouble. Each one must be fully convinced. Uh, How convinced? Fully. Fully convinced. Not like, well, I gave it some thought yesterday over a burger. I think I'm kind of going this way. I don't know. And not that. Okay. Like you've really worked it out. You've looked at what scripture has to say. You've searched your own soul. You kind of like you've gone after it and you're like, I don't know how to be fully convinced. All right. Here we go. Top five questions you need to answer if you're going to be fully convinced. Number one, will it violate direct, clear scripture? If I go after this, is it like, hey, there's a thou shalt not in scripture and I'm violating it. Like, does it violate direct, clear scripture? If the answer to that is yes, it needs to be then step away from it. All right. You know what? This guy is ticking me off. I'm murdering him at three o'clock. Thou shalt not kill. That's pretty easy. Right. Love your neighbor as yourself. And like how many different passages can we come up with? Right. There are things we come up with as ideas that do violate scripture and just don't violate the direct, clear scripture. Number two, will it violate my own conscience? I can't find anything in scripture that says don't. But it just doesn't feel right, man. It just doesn't feel right. And uh, so you know what I'm talking about. You may have been raised in a much more traditional environment. You may have uh, had rules in your home that said, here's how we'll honor God. And in the midst of that, you just can't separate from it, you know, and uh, consider what that is. Make sure you're not going against your own conscience and make sure this is all about worshiping your king. And man, if it's about limitation right now, because that seems most comfortable in worshiping him, then do that. Okay. Just don't bring it on the guy next to you, but do that. All right. So will it violate direct, clear scripture? Will it violate my own conscience? Number three, will it violate a sense of worship? That's a vague one, but I thought I'd throw it in. Do not lose sight of the fact that this is all for him and his glory, right? If you feel like you going after this starts making it all about you, maybe it's time to be done with that. Do not violate your sense of worship. Uh, Number four, will it violate my body, God's temple? 
Will it violate my body? And uh, there are a lot of things that we do that start to get pretty dicey when it comes to how we treat ourselves. I mean, I'll, I'll step into an easier one, but, you know, something like um, mistreating my body because I feel bad about me, you know? I don't like the way it's going, and so I kind of punish myself in it, sort of a... That, that's a, getting to be a dangerous moment as we mistreat our body just to try to make ourselves feel better about some sin thing we're in. And man, it's time for us to figure out what that sin is and what that shame is that's eating us alive and get that before our King, Jesus Christ, and get some stuff resolved, not just hurt the body, whether it be cutting or beating or whatever is going on. Man, there are a lot of hurts in this body right now, and I am speaking to a tender spot right now. Please hear me. If you are wrestling in this area, we want to help you. We want to work there. And uh, we got Richard here who does some biblical counseling. And man, he is more than available. And we would love to sit down and walk through some tough stuff with you. Do not let the body be violated to try to help yourself feel better about where you're at. All right? Doesn't work. It's a bad game plan. And it's not even honoring to him in the end. Okay? All right. And then the last one. Will it cause another to stumble? I'm not going to spend much time here, but if you start living this thing out, this freedom you think you have, and it causes the guy next to you to try it out and he crashes, you made a mistake. All right? We do have to consider the guy next to us. We're going to spend more time on that next week because that's what the whole passage is about. So that's a setup for, there's a whole other sermon on that one. All right? Will it violate direct, clear scripture? Will it violate my own conscience? Will it violate a sense of worship? Will it violate my body, God's temple? Will it cause another to stumble? Answer those questions and you can be a lot closer to fully convinced that you are where you should be. All right. And uh, he says, the one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Are you hearing it? The one who's eating and the one who's abstaining. Honoring and thanking. Honoring and thanking. Now we're getting somewhere. Stronger and weaker. They're honoring God. They're thanking God. They're living it for him. Hear me now. Break all the way out over to selfish and you're just trying to make it about you. That's wrong. That's not where we need to be. It's into the play of honoring God, thanking God. You might sit down and say, Lord, I am foregoing desserts for this month, for this year, whatever you're saying, for you. I can't believe what you gave up for me. And that is awesome. And then you're at the pumpkin festival. And everybody's eating pumpkin ice cream and pumpkin pie and donuts galore and... Don't they know Jesus sacrificed for them? And Right? Be careful. It's so easy for us to have made a decision and conviction for ourselves, And all of a sudden we want to kind of weigh it in on others so that it's easier for us to walk that walk. And uh, let's just be careful. All right? Whatever you're doing, honoring and thanking God, whether it be in the freedom or in the limitation that God might be made much of. And all of God's people said... It's a huge, huge moment for us to get. All right. He says after it, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. 
that's probably the most clear phrase that sits over this whole thing. We are the Lord's. We are a servant of the king and what I do will honor him and I will thank him. Sometimes in the freedom I express, sometimes in the limitations I take on, but always my God will be given number one place. I am his and that's going to show, man. I am my Lord's. And uh, it says, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. You getting that? Jesus Christ, man, he died on the cross for you and for me. He went to the sacrifice that we could never give for you and for me. Jesus Christ, king of the universe, and he laid it on the line for you and said, I love you and I'm there for you and I've got this thing. And he put victory over death and sin. He put victory into life. He set up all of eternity that you might be able to glorify and worship him forever. You are the Lord's. If you trust Jesus Christ as your savior, man, this is an eternal fix, not just an in the moment fix. And uh, Jesus Christ, he's the one who's done it all for us. He is Lord, both of the dead and of the living. He reigns and he rules. Let's show it with how we live. All right. So uh, this past week, uh, you may have heard this, you may not have, uh, a guy named T.J. Lane uh, escaped from prison, 19 years old. And uh, he escaped from prison in Ohio. And uh, he climbed a wall with a couple other guys and got out. He got probably really only about a couple hundred yards away from the prison. And then they hid out, hoping that the search would go wider and then they could sneak in behind it. Didn't work. They ended up catching him and getting him back in prison. Praise God. What's the big deal? Well, two years earlier uh, in Ohio, he had walked into a school and gunned down three kids and killed them. And uh, he was chased out before he could take any more lives, but he had brought horrid disaster into that town. And uh, when they brought him in for uh, walking through the court hearing, he wore a white t-shirt and he had taken a black marker and he wrote on it, killer. And he sat there with a pride as he wore this badge that said, that's right, that's me. People were horrified with his smug face. And uh, afterwards, when he was found guilty, he looked over at the three families who had lost their kids. And he got this smirk on his face that national cameras caught. And as he looked at it, he just was like, whatever. Absolutely not caring at all. And uh, you're like, what's in the heart of that guy? What would drive him to even be like that? And as they looked back into his family life, they did find a ton of hurt and a ton of pain and a ton of sin. His father, an attempted murderer, I'm telling you, it was passed down from one generation to the next as he brought that evil into the school and wreaked havoc. And people were like, what would he be thinking about? And, uh, All he knows is how to bring hurt. All right, let's turn the corner. What's the point? The Apostle Paul is like, how could you walk into the church and bring your gun down on someone of judgment or of despising and wreak havoc 
Don't you know what Christ is and who he is and what he's done for you? How could you do such a thing? And here's the deal. Most of us, I mean, this church has only been around about eight years. So most of us, we actually have come from some other church experience somewhere. And we've tasted of maybe a deeply traditional church or a fundamental church. I know I did. I grew up in it. And you know what it is for people to make tight, tight rules. And it doesn't, it's not found in scripture, but it sure does sound like it is the way they talk. And, and they drill it down on and, and you live in the midst of this judgment and this nastiness and this pressure on for ridiculous little rules. And, and then you come here. And you bring it to bear in this place. Here's my request. Put down your weapons. It's done. I don't know where you've come from and I don't know what you've tasted of. And we are willing to talk through anything and get biblical perspective on everything. But hear me on this. Enough of hurting the guy next to me so I can feel a little more good with God. Enough with bringing in the hammer on a guy because I want them to know I limit well and I pass judgment on them. And then the guy on the other side going, bring it. I'll prove to you I'm free to do that. And all of a sudden a little war begins. Maybe it's in your impact group. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's just sitting in the aisle and you're like, not in my aisle. I got in a different aisle because I knew they were in that aisle. Right? And, uh, I'm just telling you with this many people, we've got issues rolling. All right. You're like, wow, it must be bad. What's he talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm in Romans 14. I'm talking Romans 14. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because the spirit's pressing in right now. And you're like, all right, I'm putting down the weapon. You might even need to get to someone and say, please forgive me. I brought too much of a hammer on you and that's mine. I need to limit me if I'm going to do that in full conscience before God, but not you. Or, you know what, I'm sorry, I've been living a freedom out in front of you and it's, it's wreaking havoc. Let's talk this thing out and how do we work this so that you're loved and Christ is honored. And uh, please hear me. It's time for us to be loving one another in the gray area, not hammering each other in the gray area. I read something this week and it said, a guy said, I can destroy a church in two minutes. I stand up and say, you must decide on the following six to ten topics. And then he reads off a bunch of gray areas and then says, figure it out. Come up with one answer for each. Invariably, the churches that split, split over gray area. Not the black and white, not strong churches. Because the strong churches get what God's saying on the black and white. But we get all wrapped up in the gray and we start making it black and white and we cause havoc. So here's my request. Are you ready to put down your weapon? Are you done trying to make the guy next to you look like you so that you feel better about you? Time for Christ to be honored by you as you thank him and honor him and live for him. And that's it. That's your focus. And all of God's people said, Romans 14. All right. Okay. Third. Says, do not judge or hate. God alone is judge and we all stand before him. Do not judge or hate. God alone is judge and we all stand before him. It says, why do you pass judgment on your brother or you 
Why do you despise your brother? Remember now, who's passing judgment? Stronger or weaker? Who is it that's passing judgment? It's the weaker, right? He's like, you got to narrow yourself like I do, right? And he's like, be careful. Why do you pass judgment? Weaker brother is really what's implied there. Or why do you despise stronger brother? Stop getting all uptight. Yes, he's making a mistake as he's leaning in. Teach him Romans 14. And uh, let's move on. Okay. So he says, or why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yeah. You got to love how Paul answers a problem. He's like, hey, just so we're clear. Yo, yo, you're both wrong. That's it. You're both are standing before the judgment seat of God almighty. Get it? Uh, now I do. And it doesn't sound as fun as it did a minute ago. Right. And he's like, that's right. God is judge. And he says even a little bit more. He says, for we all stand before the judgment seat of God, as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Same passage that's quoted off in Philippians two. every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We do all stand before God. We all are judged before him and hear this. We all are found guilty of sin. And only those who have trusted Christ as personal savior are given this sense of mercy as Christ now says, I will take it on me. And that penalty is paid for us. Man, we are found guilty and he has given us a mercy we don't deserve, a rescue we have no business claiming, but he's offering it up out of love. Praise be to God. Jesus Christ is doing something in our lives we could never do alone. He is revealing in his awesomeness the mystery of God Almighty, his healing hand, his work on the cross. The judge saying simply this, everyone found guilty. My cross and the payment made for you. Faith alone in me and mercy can be had. Man, I'm telling you, you stand before the king of kings and your knees should be trembling because it depends on him alone. No goodness in me is good enough. No goodness in me is good enough. He has rescued me from my sinfulness and myself. And he has brought me to a hope in Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Everything I live out is simply this. You are awesome, God. May I honor you in my freedom as I express out what you're giving me here. May it all be about you. You are awesome, God. And if I limit right now in this, Lord, just to recognize how you've sacrificed for me, may it be in that you are unbelievable. And I want to honor you and I want to thank you. Honoring and thanking because we stand before a king who has fixed the problem. We stand before a king who has said, I have this in hand. I love you with all I've got. And there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Let's let him have his way with our soul. And may we fix our worship, which by the way, is often pretty broken. Amen. Yeah. The microphone didn't pick that up. Amen. Amen. Like I'm just telling you, we have a God who's given us what we don't deserve. And it's an awesome gift. May we not bite the person next to us and fight with the person next to us. Let's bring it vertical and celebrate him with all we've got. He says in the end, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God.
And get this, he says right before it, remember back just a few verses where he says, and he will uphold you, Jesus Christ. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have an honest answer in Christ of a payment on the cross that will last for eternity. We have a king that we can serve and worship. Getting on our sin is not so we feel a little better about ourselves at the end of the day. We're like, well, I made a few mistakes, but man, I got on that one sin. Check that box a little bit. And that's too much about me. I'm living in selfish world or legalistic world on that one. Bring it inside to strong and weak. May Christ be glorified. I have something to give him, whether it be in my narrowing or in my freedom, that God can be made much of. And please hear me again. This is only true in the gray area. Everybody say in the gray area. Unity, not uniformity in the gray area. Your heart working with your king to make much of him. That's living together in the gray area. May God be glorified. Let's pray.